Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by the son of legendary comedian Richard Pryor. I'm pleased to welcome Richard Pryor Jr. How's it going, Richard? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are things where you're at? Things are pretty good. I'm I'm actually glad the snow was going on, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys get some pretty violent storms up there in, uh, when the winter hits. Yeah, we sure do. We've been pretty lucky the last, the last uh, few um, winters, though, so it's all good. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah, so good for you guys. You guys got a temporary relief from all that. Yeah. And uh, oh, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I just also wanted to say, uh, I meant to, uh, I meant to say this in the introduction. You're also the author of a book called, uh, in a prior life. Correct. Correct. I'm really happy about it and happy the way it's going and happy how it's been received with everyone. Um, and it seems to be helping some people out who've gone through a lot of things in their lives. Yeah. That's one thing, um, that I was reading about on, on your website, uh, in, in a prior life, uh, dot com. Um, it talks about your dad and, uh, your life with him. Uh, talk about what it was like being the son of, uh, a comedy legend like, like Richard Pryor. Well, to me, you know, when had, people have asked me before, what it's like being, all I know in my, in my eye, the way I see it, I saw my father just like a regular guy who worked. It was like he, in my mind, he worked in a factory. You know, until I got older and was able to go on the road with him and watch him actually work and see how people uh, received him and how people adore his work and just wanted to be around because of what he was doing. I think that's when I realized my dad was a little different and not just a normal pops, you know, going to work for a nine to five job. So, um, so he was also well uh, going on a little bit here. Uh, your dad, um, when you mentioned the name Richard Pryor, you're you're talking about one of the most well-known legendary comedians of, of all time, pretty much. I'm looking at uh, some of the names of people who cite him as uh, his as as their um, influence, uh, mm -hmm. and the list is just impressive. I mean, the list goes from like Dave Chappelle to Colin Quinn to Jerry Seinfeld. They all cite your dad as pretty much one of their comedy influences. Yeah, it's, it's a great uh, feeling to be able to see that and hear that from different people, especially like hearing people that, you know, have been hugely uh, successful, you know, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld and the ones that say that, you know, your father is the one that paved the way for me to do comedy and for me to even want to do comedy. It's just, it's, it's heartwarming to hear. And I'm sure if my dad was around David to hear it, he would really appreciate it, um, hearing the accolades that, he, that he's been receiving. So, did your dad always want to be a stand-up comedian, even from an early age? Did he know that's what he wanted to do for the rest yeah, of his life? Yeah. Actually, when my my parents were, when they were young, he actually they were talking about their dreams, and his was to be a comedian, and it's something he always wanted to do. And he finally got up the nerve to get on the road to do it, and um, they would be gone for three months, and it was three years later when she's on again, and he'd already established himself as a as a comic. Was his very first performance at, at the comedy store in Los Angeles? No, he actually started off on the, I mean, he did little comedy things in his hometown, Peoria, Illinois, but then he went on the road. I know he did some things like in Ohio, for one, but I know that he performed a lot in New York City. So were you uh, pretty close to your dad? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we had our ups and downs like father and sons do, but yeah, that was my pops, you know, and um Good or bad, he was the best father he knew how to be as far as, you know, he had to deal with, you know, knowing what his upbringing was and how he, the lifestyle he came out of and all those things. 
I think he turned out pretty good. Absolutely. Um, he, uh, he, I also know that, uh, he was in, he, and, and you mentioned this in your book as well, um, that he was, uh, in, into the whole drug scene as well, that he, he had his battles with, with drugs and, mm-hmm. um, what 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 do you think got him on onto drugs uh, to begin with? What 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 do you think um, maybe went wrong per se, or got him started on that path? Well, I, I think a, a lot of things are coupled with that. You know, I have to look at myself because I dealt with that as well. But I think a lot of times the things that we've gone through in our lives when we're younger, um, I think that may have like some type of input. You know, peer pressure also has an input in it. Because people are, you want to be like everybody else and be accepted and trying things, not knowing that, you know, the addictive personality that you may have that may uh, grab a hold of that and not let, want to let go of it. So I think there's a lot of things that we go through in our lives that he actually went through in his lives as well, life as well. Um, the hurt, the struggle and all those things. And, you know, you had a mother was a prostitute and the dad was a pimp and great grandmother was a madam and all those things coupled into that create who you actually are. And I think a lot of times we try to do things just to numb ourselves from thinking or feeling. Um, he was able to talk about a lot of things, but a lot of times when you, you still internalize so many things that happen to you in your life. One thing that, uh, I mean, just like you, I mean, um, he was very vocal about his, his life growing up that he grew up in, in a brothel. And like you say, I mean, he didn't have the best childhood. So uh, he went into stand-up comedy to, uh, to get away from all that. Right. Yeah. I think, well, I think, you know, a lot of comics, a lot of comics are introverts or pretty quiet. And I think when they get on stage, you're able to let loose a lot of those things. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things he actually was able to do. Um, and there was actually, I mean, he, your dad also made fun of everything. I mean, about, I mean, was your dad one of the first um, or paved the way for African-Americans to, to be able to do stand-up comedy? Well, it's not that he was the first because I know there were other comics, especially like Red Fox and different things like that. But it was something about him being able to, the stories that he told were so real um, as far as his personal struggle. And being able to share those things, um, I think that uh, was the difference between my dad being his own self. I think who he was in the the comic world had never really seen that as far as someone, you know, talking about their demons and their oppressions and all those things and making you think about it, but also making you laugh as long with it because he took you on a journey with his storytelling. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, uh, audiences like to be able to relate, it seems to their, uh, to the people that, that they pay, pay to go see. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, relating and also not so much relating at one point, but also understanding if you've never been through something, but, if somebody can tell you a story in a way that you can understand it and understand why they're doing what they're doing and all those things, I think that also adds credence to it as well. Do you think that's what has made your, your dad such a legend in the comedy field? Yeah, I think it was a huge part of it. You know, he was one of the first and he came along and spoke his mind. He spoke his uh, uh, victories and he spoke to his uh, losses and the ups and downs and all those things he was able to share um, without the world having to do it for him. He was he actually one of the one first persons that would actually if he did something wrong, he would mention it and bring it up and talk about it. 
I know that, uh, I mean, and, and there's even clips about it on, on YouTube as well. When he uh, had the whole fire incident happen, he was just up on stage the next week ma making fun of it as well, like you say. Oh, yeah, yeah. After when he was capable of uh, going out in public and all those things, that's one of the first things he actually did was talk about it. Yeah, and um, I would have to go along with that. I mean, uh, uh, like, like you say, he, he was absolutely the best at, at doing that. He told stories in such a way, like you say, just to reiterate it, um, that that was funny and, and you were able to relate to it. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, that's all I was saying. Uh, so, as so, also for your dad, um, Mel Brooks wanted to cast your dad in in, in Blazing Saddles uh, originally. Mm -hmm, sure, he sure did, and I, you know, the studio just didn't have enough faith in my dad that they didn't know how he was going to react, how he was going to act, and how he was going to show up on set, and all those things. So I, they were a little leery of it, so they wouldn't go they wouldn't go along with Mel Brooks and what he wanted to do. So that's when he offered him to help write the, you know, write some things for the actual movie. So he got writing credit for it as a co-writer. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, even though he wasn't casting it, Mel was also uh, Mel made him a co-writer in it, and it's one of the best films ever made. Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. I laugh about it every time I see it. I try to watch it. <laughs> so uh, do you still? Um, I know that. Do you still kind of get royalties from that movie every time it airs on on? TV. No, his, his children did nothing. Uh, his uh, wife at the time of his death gets everything. She has the rights to his name and likeness. We have no say so over, over him or his his legacy or anything. It's like we don't exist. Okay, okay. So is that um, well? I mean, I'm I'm sure that uh, all all this way that uh, we're still talking about your dad all these many years later after he's gone away. I mean, just uh, has to bring joy to you knowing that we're. Like I say, I mean, we're still talking about your dad all these many years later. Yeah, I actually, I actually do love that. I love also that, you know, you're finally getting a perspective from one of his uh, children as far as his life goes, and not just from one person who happened to be married to him twice. Um, I think it's really important for the children to be able to tell the story about who their dad was to them and how he um, helped them and how he was there for them, supportive of them, and you know, and made them who they are today. Now, what was Richard the same way off stage as we saw him on stage? Oh, totally different. My dad was very quiet. He was, like I said earlier, he was an introvert, um, kind of shy, and was quiet. Unless you had him when he was high or performing, you know, he was a quiet guy. I see. Okay. So, um, did he uh, have a good relationship with uh, the media, even though they they talked about him a lot? I mean, was he? Did he did he have a good relationship with them? Well, as far as uh, my knowledge is concerned, he he definitely didn't have a problem with the media. Other than if people didn't uh, didn't share the truth, you know, I'm sure he had an issue with that. Right. But as far as in general with the media, you know, you know, he always did the circuits, the talk show circuits, and all the things. Because back in that day, that's what was big. You know, the media wasn't like it is now. You know, right, right, absolutely. about it you had to go out and buy a magazine to read about it or a paper or something. Whereas now you just click, 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 and it's right there in front of your, front of your eyes. And we have podcasts as well. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, media was not like how it was uh, back then, like it is today, like you say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So um, now you have also followed in your dad's footsteps. You're, you're an entertainer yourself. Correct. Yeah, I'm a singer, an actor, and now an author. Yeah, 
I love performing. love performing. Love being on stage and love making people laugh. And uh, if I'm doing a character, I love putting my heart into everything that I do. And, and as well as when I'm singing, everything. I just love that. You know, you put your heart on the stage when you perform, and I love for me to do that. Now, I'm, I'm out here in California myself pursuing my uh, comedy dreams because I used to do stand-up back home where I'm from in Kansas City. Uh, what do you think the key is to being able to stay in comedy for so long like your dad did? I think you might have mentioned it already, but um, even in today's society, what do you think makes for, for a good comedian that people will want to still listen to? Uh, telling your truth. Bottom line, telling your truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Being able to share the real, real person of who you are, and not what you want, not what you think society wants, but what you know is true about yourself. And you know, you know that way you don't have to make up stories or to get a laugh or anything like that. You just speaking and telling your truth the way you saw it. And so I think that's a, a huge thing as far as success um, for any kind of a comic um, to for the longevity of their career is to speak their truth and live their truth. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, are, do you ever make it out here to the West Coast at all to, to perform? Well, I haven't been out there a while to perform uh, on this level. You know, when I lived out there years ago, I did, but I haven't been back out there to be able to just, you know, uh, have a, just a full show or anything like that. So that's something I would definitely love to do in the near future. I would, hey, I would love to come see you. I mean, I will, I, I'm definitely there if you ever come come out here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, so do you have family that lives out here as well? No, I have. I do have a little brother that lives out there. Um, so I have him that's out there, but I don't really have any other relatives out there any longer. So uh, like, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, you wrote a book called In a Prior Life. What what, what can we find in, in, in there uh, uh, when, when we purchase it? Um, you're going to find um, what it's like to be the son of a celebrity. What is life like to be in a dysfunctional family? Um, uh, me taking you through my trials and tribulations from being molested um, when I was a younger kid and a teenager, uh, being uh, uh, molested by men and women uh, during that time, my uh, dealing with uh, my drug addictions and everything to try to cope with things in my life, um, my times having violent outbursts uh, because things didn't go my way. Um, and the, seeing the maturity in my life and the growth in my life and how I've grown uh, from those things, how your past doesn't have to dictate your future. Absolutely. You can turn things around in your life. Amen. Absolutely. I, I agree 100% with you. So, um, so, so you had mentioned earlier, I think I saw in another interview, that uh, you had started to write this book but then put it down and then got it back to writing again. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, I think when I first started writing it, I wasn't ready for it uh, mentally. And uh, I think you have to have your mind right um, and clear and know who you are as a person in order for when you delve into something like that. Because you're dealing out of emotions and things that you thought you had dealt with that you didn't. There's things that come up that you forgot about totally that come up that surface. So you have to be able to process those things and deal with those things in order to be authentic to who you are and keeping it that way. Um, that's and hence why why I talk about how the fact that I can't um, just tell a story of, of just being a good story. I have to share everything about my life. You know the things that I did that were wrong, 
and the things I did, how to hurt, how I hurt people, and all those things are show who, who, what my life was about and who I am as a person, but how I overcame those obstacles. So was uh, writing your way of being able to deal with the emotions that you had writing this book? Well, I, dealt, I thought I dealt with almost everything prior to me writing this, but once I started writing this, I realized there were a lot of things um, that were still affecting me, and going through that process really helped. I mean, there were times I really got literally physically uh -huh. ill uh, while I was doing the process of doing this book and had to stop doing it. Um, but I kept pushing forward, and I think that was my strength to push forward and go through those things and go through that, uh, go through that dark, tight tunnel to be able to come out of it at the end. Was your dad still around when, when you started to write it, and uh, did he contribute yeah. in to any of it? No, he wasn't around that long when I started writing. Okay. So uh, talk about um, your, your – do you remember the last conversation you had with your dad before he, he passed away? Well, the last conversation I had with my dad was I hadn't seen him in six years because of his life. I was able to see him finally. Um, I was able to hug him and tell him how much I loved him, but I also – which was the hardest part was to tell me my mother had died two years prior. Yeah. And um, I think that was, was, the, was the most difficult thing in the, um, when I saw my father. And I actually knew that when I saw him, when I left, I just knew it within my heart that was the last time I would see him alive. Did he know that, that it was you when you saw him? Yeah, he definitely knew it was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... He, uh, so he, he died of multiple sclerosis, or no, heart attack with multiple sclerosis. Sclerosis, yeah. What, was the family all around when he, uh, when he had passed away? No, none of us were there. Um, I, even his uh, wife at the time, she even lived, had her, had her own residence. She didn't even live with him. And she, when the ambulance was called, she had to come up there to the house. But, you know, by that time he was gone. And uh -huh. um, so none of us were around because we were kept away from him for so long. Wow, that that had to be really, really tough. I'm I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough thing to go through. Do you chronicle that in in the book as well? Oh yes, definitely. It's in the book without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I I absolutely love how, how you wrote this book. I'm definitely going to purchase it, and um, I cannot wait to start reading it. And um, I I I absolutely admire you, sir, for uh, for writing the book and um, just. Uh, just seeing the the progressive journey between you and uh, your your dad and and uh, how how you guys dealt with uh, the demons and, and came out on the other side of them. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I uh, I absolutely will be a fan of your dad as long as I live, and uh, I, I still continue to listen to his comedy even to this day. That's nice to hear. Thank you so much. No no problem. And uh, I cannot wait to see you out here on on uh, on the West Coast uh, performing. Well, thank you. Keep looking for me, sir. I'll definitely be out there. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Richard. Uh, God bless you, sir, and uh, good luck with everything. God bless you, too. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.